everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves, the podcast. And in fact, you are listening to the very first episode of This Mom Loves, the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Perhaps the podcast just launched and you're one of the first ones to listen. Hi, Mom. Or maybe it has become a podcast sensation and you have gone back to the beginning to listen to every episode. In that case, Gretchen Rubin would call you a completist, by the way, and I will be quoting her a lot, I'm sure, as she's one of my very favorite authors and podcasters. But either way, I'm glad to have you along. And since it is the first episode, I'm going to give you a little more of a, a longer introduction than I will in the future. My name is Kate Wynn. I'm a wife. I'm a mom of two girls. Eva is 10 and Olivia is 12. I'm currently a full-time kindergarten teacher, but throughout my 18 years of teaching, I've had a, a huge range of experiences, which I'm sure I will be sharing over time here on the podcast. I'm also a freelance writer for women's and parenting magazines. I'm a TV guest. I make appearances to uh, help parents with information about education or to share education-related products that I recommend. And I have been blogging at thismomloves.ca since 2010. My side hustle dreams all my life have always included magazines and talk shows being involved in both, and I thought launching a podcast would be a way to to blend the two, so you're getting sort of an audio magazine, a podcast with the, well, all sorts of the same types of, uh, of sections that you would see, but instead segments here on the show. I'll be sharing a lot of recommendations, especially books, because I'm a hardcore reader, and a lifestyle element. as well. So um, tips or tricks or research about home, travel, fashion and beauty, health, etc. Plus, we're going to have some fantastic guests. And in fact, the first guest who's going to be joining today's episode a little bit later is Courtney Wilson, who you may know as uh, as a master flipper from the HGTV show Masters of Flip, where she, um, she works alongside her husband, Dave, to flip homes. And we will be talking to her a little bit later. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to kick things off in this first episode of This Mom Loves with a couple of book recommendations, starting with Whiskey in a Teacup by Reese Witherspoon. And I'm a big fan of Reese's acting. In fact, Sweet Home Alabama, I am not afraid to say, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it actually happens to be my 85-year-old grandmother's favorite movie of all time, too. And as a book reviewer for Simon & Schuster, as soon as I heard that they were publishing this book, I thought, okay, I have to get my hands on it. So I emailed and asked for a review copy as soon as possible, and it did not disappoint. So the funny thing is this episode kind of has a bit of a Nashville theme that goes along with this book too, because the phrase whiskey in a teacup is kind of about Southern women. So kind of that strength and everything, but all all kept in a fancy little little delicate container. And so that's the, the title, Whiskey in a Teacup. Cup, and it's all about Southern living. So it's a nonfiction book that Reese has written, and she's from the South. There's a lot of advice and wisdom from her grandmother is also from the South in this book. And there are, uh, there are tons of, of topics and things covered. I mean, chapters like wicker and wallpaper, hot rollers, red lipstick, and steel magnolias, the family table, my grandfather's garden, the perfect book club. So a huge range of things. Uh, seasonal ideas, lots of words of wisdom, tons of recipes. So if you're the, the kind who would like to uh, to make different things, there's, I mean, everything from drinks to appetizers to mains to desserts, all with a Southern flair. And while I'm the type who often will get books from the library or I'll be given books or I'll buy books and then I'll just donate them, get rid of them, this is the kind of book that you want to keep 
because of the beautiful color photographs. It's really a visually appealing book that you might want to keep on your shelf for that, if not as a reference for other things. And something I really like about it too is it really does have helpful tips. So I'm going to read you her grandmother Dorothea's seven guest tips. So there are tips for being a host, but these are the tips she shares for being a guest. Number one, RSVP promptly. Everyone's time is valuable and it's no joke to organize a party, which is very true. And that includes parties for kids. That's my little addition there to that. Number two, when in doubt about how fancy it is, dress up. Better overdressed than underdressed. Number three, bring something. You can't go wrong with a bottle of wine. Four, Introduce yourself to everyone you meet, first and last name, please, even if you think they should know you already. And try to talk to everyone, especially anyone who seems a little lost or left out. Great advice. Five, offer to help the hosts carry trays, set out water, clear, or whatever else needs doing, even if she says no, it's nice to offer. Number six, leave at a reasonable hour. Now, if any of my book club companions are listening to this, they may be having a chuckle because I never hesitate to leave at a reasonable hour. My sleep is very important. But here, Reese repeats her grandmother's advice and says, never be the last person to leave a party. This is hard for Southern ladies because we're taught to shake everyone's hand and wish them a warm goodbye and thank them for the delicious meal and say how fun it was to see them and so on and so forth. It's like the opposite of what they call an Irish goodbye or French exit. A proper Southern goodbye can take hours. And I myself am more of a fan of the Irish goodbye and the getting home to a good night's sleep. And tip number seven, to show you appreciate the hospitality, send a quick, genuine thank you the next day by phone, email, or even better, handwritten note and offer to reciprocate. So no, lots could be discussed about, you know, thank you notes and proper etiquette and proper form. Personally, now I feel like with technology, if I were a hostess, I'd be quite happy if someone just texted me to say thank you or sent an email. That would be perfectly fine. But there's all sorts of fun little tidbits in there. And something else I really like is that she keeps it real. I mean, it's a very, you know, positive, uplifting, charming sort of book. It's not at all a Hollywood tell-all or anything like that. It's really just based on that Southern advice. But at one point, there's a section on weddings. And she says, and I quote, and now let's get real. I've had two weddings. And then she goes on to talk about it. But I mean, there's not really any sort of, you know, phoniness or pretension there. She's she's calling herself out on that and then moving on. So I thought that was uh, great that she included. And I was also very impressed to read that she has met the Duchess of Cambridge. I don't know which one I'd be more excited to meet, Reese or Kate, but they would definitely both be ideal uh, dinner dates for me. So I can cross my fingers and hope that someday that will happen. But so that's my first recommendation this week, Whiskey in a Teacup by Reese Witherspoon. The next book that I want to recommend, which I also really enjoyed, and this time it's fiction, is called All We Ever Wanted by Emily Giffen. And it's about Nina Browning, who has married into Nashville elite. And again, kind of the Nashville theme for this episode. And it seems like the perfect life until her teenage son gets involved in a scandal about an inappropriate photo. And I like this book. It's like a lot of uh, fiction books I've read recently where there's different perspectives. So it's not just Nina's perspective, but also the father of the girl that's involved in the scandal, a few other people. It feels very current. These sorts of things are happening a lot. We're hearing about in the media or maybe even uh, closer to home. And so I liked that topic. I've liked a lot of other books by Emily Giffen, Something Borrowed, for example. And it's kind of neat, I feel like, as an author, as her um, readership has grown along with her, so has her subject matter. So she kind of started with, you know, a book about weddings and then babies and, and now... Um, 
it's talking about, you know, parenting a teenager and as a daughter of tweens myself and one who's kind of starting to think about maybe whether she wants to get on Instagram, I can kind of relate to, to some of the, the difficulties that the characters are, are faced with. And I also love just the little tidbits about Nashville that come up in the book because I know they say sometimes the, uh, the setting of a book can almost become its own character. And I really did enjoy that. I've been to Nashville once and I really loved it. And I enjoyed reading all those, uh, those little things about the Nashville scene. So All We Ever Wanted by Emily Giffen, a great fiction read. Now, if you have read either of those books, I'd love to know what you thought of them. If you have any other books with a Nashville connection to recommend or any other books at all that you think I might enjoy, please reach out. And in fact, reach out to me if you have anything you want to say about this first episode of This Mom Loves. If you want to give some feedback about things that you'd like to, to hear about, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves. I'm on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. And of course, you can also find me at www.thismomloves.ca. And I would love to hear from you. The next little segment is called the lifestyle section. And today I'm going to talk about something I'm very passionate about and I get asked about it all the time. And that is organization. And specifically today, some tips on organizing your clothes closet. So I'm a very organized person, but not so much in the, you know, color coding label making sense, but in a really streamlined, efficient, clear cut, calm, peaceful kind of sense. And I'm going to give some tips that I'm sure you've heard before, but I'm also going to tell you exactly what I do in my closet to keep things neat and organized. So the first tip that a lot of people don't want to hear is purge. A lot of people think, okay, this is the weekend. I'm going to clean up my clothes closet. First step is the container store. That is absolutely the wrong move. You don't need to worry about all the knickknacks and the organization tools. You need less stuff. Almost everybody out there, if they see you need to organize, you truly do need less stuff. So with a master closet purge, I recommend taking everything out and then the standard advice about sorting things. So it can help when you have a donate pile and you know exactly where it's going. Locally, I give to our St. Vincent de Paul store, which is called Vinny's. And I know that that's, you know, helping people on a, on a couple of different levels. So it makes me feel good. It's not like I'm throwing things in the garbage unless they're actually uh, garbage material. But I have a great place to donate things that don't fit, that don't look good on me anymore, that I really have absolutely nothing else to wear with. So be ruthless when you go through your clothing. Um, I like Marie Kondo's advice um, in terms of does it spark joy? joy. And I mean, not every pair of underwear necessarily needs to spark joy, but if you pick up a piece of clothing and you think, uh, I feel blah when I wear this, or it doesn't make me feel good about myself, then get rid of it. Put it on the, uh, in the donate pile right away. If something's uncomfortable, it's not going to become more comfortable. So make sure that it's, that it's gone. And a lot of things where you think, oh, well, I'll get this tailored or I'll do something else with it, or this might come back into fashion or it might fit me someday. You won't miss it if you get rid of it now. I don't. I, I can't think of anything I've ever gotten rid of that I've missed. Occasionally, I look at a photo and I think, hmm, where did that sweater go? But there's never anything that I truly regret giving away. Narrow down your clothing to the top pieces. So the way I have things organized, I have a dresser with drawers. So that's for underwear, PJs, swimsuits. And then in my closet, there's shelving. So that's where I have gym clothes folded up and sweaters folded up. 
and everything else is hung. So there's a, sh a small area for long hanging items. And I'm waving my hands around here as I'm talking as if you can see me, but you will actually be able to see photos because I will add those to the show notes. So if you go to thismomloves.ca and click on podcast, this is episode one, there are photos of my closet. So you can see exactly, exactly what it looks like, but a narrow section for hanging things like my dresses. And then on the shorter hanging shelf to the right, I have all hanging tops. To the left, I have all hanging bottoms. I actually have tops are mixed. So I've got my blazer, short sleeves, long sleeves, sleeveless. Everything is mixed. Same thing with bottoms. I've got jeans, dress pants, skirts, everything mixed. And the way I, the reason I do that is because I have a system where once I wear any kind of top, when I put it back, I move it to the far right end of, of all of the hangers and I keep track of how often I wear things. So I just wanted everything all mixed together. And even sometimes we might think about short sleeve, that's just for summer, but often you might wear sleeveless or short sleeve under a blazer, under your jean jacket. So a lot of things are multi-seasonal. So I keep them all together and then I rotate. And then it's so easy to see after a while what isn't being worn. And sometimes it helps me to get more variety because I try to pull something from the left end because I know I haven't worn it in a long time. But it also helps to see what you haven't worn at all. I have one um, hanging top that's, you know, Halloween, jack-o'-lantern and everything because I teach kindergarten and I can wear stuff like that. And it's kind of a good gauge because I know that I wore that on October 30th because on the 31st, of course, I, drew, I dressed up in a costume. But that's my October 30th top. So that's a good way to see what has moved to the right and, and what hasn't been worn. And so then when I go to do sort of little mini purges, I can realize, okay, I never wear those items anymore. They're gone. And then same with, same with the bottoms. I just move them to the other end when I go to hang them up again. I have those nice slim hangers with sort of that velvety feel to them. I do find they're great for fitting more into smaller spaces or to just make the space look more spacious because the hangers themselves don't take up so much room. So while I say that I don't recommend buying a lot of stuff for organization, I definitely do, uh, do recommend those hangers. Now, I know my system doesn't work for everybody. So I actually asked what other people do. And one of my followers, Mary Jane, told me the way she organizes her clothing is she has sleeveless tops together, short sleeves together, long sleeves together. And then she also has them sorted by color in those categories, skirts and pants the same, her short ones, her medium ones, her long ones together, and then color coded. So for her, that's helpful because when she's going to get dressed in the morning to match things up to plan her outfits, she likes to have the, the lengths and the colors sorted. So everybody has their own different ways. And I'm not saying that, that mine is right or wrong for sure. Mary Jane's got a great system that works for her, but it is always good to have some sort of system of organization. And then again, even as I tell my girls, if you're noticing that you're wearing something that day and it's just not fitting or it just doesn't look right, when you take it off, put it in the donate pile. You don't need to hang it up again and, uh, and end up thinking about it and mulling it over and it takes up space. Just get rid of things. If something has a hole in it, you decide at the end of the day, am I getting this fixed? Is it worth fixing? And make a decision and try to just keep things as streamlined as possible. You can take a look at photos of my master closet at thismumloves.ca. Again, go to podcast and episode one and, and take a peek at what things look like with my uh, system that may or may not work for you, but that I know works for me. And with all organization, I really do believe in the idea that you feel better when things are organized and when you have 
that kind of calm environment. I believe it in the classroom for the kindergarten kids. I believe it for my own kids at home. And I know for sure with my personality, because I'm living inside this body that I know I am calmer and happier when things are more clear and more organized. So maybe that will inspire you to take a little time to declutter or organize your clothes closet. I am so excited to introduce my first guest here on This Mom Loves the Podcast, and it is Courtney Wilson. So Courtney was a Canadian girl, moved to Nashville to pursue her musical dreams. She ended up meeting Dave Wilson, a fellow Canadian who was there for the same reason. They fell in love, got married, had a family, and they decided to take their careers in a different direction. Courtney is a realtor, and together she and Dave are expert house flippers, as you can see on the HGTV series Masters of Flip. Thank you so much for joining me today, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be your first guest. Me too. So earlier in the episode today, which has kind of had a Nashville theme, and I was recommending Reese Witherspoon's, Reese Witherspoon's book, Whiskey in a Teacup. And I know you are both Nashville women now and her flagship Draper James store is in Nashville. Just wondering, have you ever seen her out and about? <laughs> I've actually seen her twice um, in the 20 years that I've been here, and um, both were was at a Target. <laughs> and I wanted, I know, and I wanted to actually go up to her because because Reese Witherspoon is actually from Nashville, born and raised. Um, when my hair is like hers and when it was much shorter, especially people would stop me quite frequently and say, oh my gosh, you look just like Reese Witherspoon. But if I am down, like last year, she has this store called Draper James, as you mentioned, and it's um, in 12th South area of Nashville, really kind of hip and trendy area. And I was walking with um, one of my kids and somebody came up and asked to take a picture with me. And so I was like, absolutely, I'll take a picture with you. I thought they were wanting to take a picture with me. <laughs> they thought I was Reese Witherspoon. And I thought that was so funny. Um, and so I was like, actually, oh my gosh. She said, I love your last movie. I said, oh, who do you think I am? And she goes, Reese Witherspoon. I said, I'm not. She goes, I know that you are. And I said, no, I really am not. But because I was so close to her shop, like a couple of doors down, I think I yes. couldn't convince her at all. <laughs> that is really funny. Nashville seems to have become such a hot tourist destination. I know um, the New York Times did a big piece a couple of months ago about how it's a big place for bachelorette parties now. What do you think it is about Nashville that's making it so popular for visitors? Well, I mean, it has everything. I will start with the food. The food is bar none. I mean, this Nashville's food district um, and food scene is probably the best that I've ever had in the entire world. And I was just in Italy wow. and Italy was amazing. They've got the Italian down and they definitely have a beat in that department. But every celebrity chef has opened up a restaurant here in the last five years. Um, that's just, I mean, it's the place to go if you love, and, and we're talking like everything from, you know, Southern cuisine to like accented American, vegetarian, like just really cool places. So you could definitely eat, eat your way through the city. But also I think there's a vibe, you know, there's this sort of when we moved here 20 years ago, everybody thought it was a country town and it definitely is known for country music. So obviously tourism is huge, but there are some pretty awesome museums here. Like we have the Parthenon, the only, the exact replica, the only exact re replica of the Greek Parthenon in the entire world. Um, we have some amazing museums downtown, country music and other. So, I mean, I think people are just catching on. It's vibey. 
And, and, you know, it's, it's, it has a lot of walkability downtown, um, especially now between the Predators and the Titans and we have the National Sound. So you can definitely come here at any given time of any of the year and find something to do. And I find that harder sometimes in bigger cities that I go to. Yes, for sure. I know my husband and I visited a few years ago and we loved it. I mean, we did very touristy type things. I'll make sure to put all those yeah. links on uh, on the uh, page for the podcast episode. But yeah, I think it's a fantastic travel destination too. Um, the lifestyle segment on the show today was all about master closet organization. And I know you have been in a lot of master closets. Do you have any tips to <laughs> offer? Well, <laughs> I have a pretty awesome closet myself, if I do say so myself. And I, I won't say, yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, mine's okay. It's awesome. I changed, I moved my master bedroom, um, to a smaller room and created a closet out of my master bedroom. But I, so I, I, it's easy to look at it and say, oh, well she has all the room in the world, but no matter how big my closet has been through the years, and I can tell you it's been quite small sometimes, um, it's all organization and decluttering. So for me, that comes really easy. You know, in fact, um, you know, like I, I've said several times actually recently that if I ever get bored of what I'm doing, I'll just likely be a professional organizer because <laughs> I love that stuff. But the thing is organization gets complicated, you know, with, with all the books and apps and websites out there, it can start to feel actually even overwhelming. Um, Get rid of your stuff. The things that are laying in piles over there that you're probably not going to wear um, for, you know, if you haven't worn it in six months, unload it. Um, but decluttering for me is a bit of a drug. You know, my my closet was much more minimalistic than it is now because I have the room for it and I have the room to design and make it a space that I want to be in with art and things like that. Um, but I do, know, you know, when I did have a smaller closet, I did have a couple of rules and. Um, one of them was to flip the hanger around. So if I wore something, I would, when I hung it back up, I'd flip the hanger around. And at the end of the the season, if the hanger, the hangers that were still the right way, I would consider getting rid of that stuff. So that was a big one for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's, it's pretty easy for me. And I think the deal is make it a space, make it a room. Even if it's a small room, put a piece of art, put a great, you know, frame your favorite quote, which is also in, I have lots of, lots of that kind of stuff in my closet. Um, you know, have some stuff that's actually out that you use every day. So instead of picking, you know, a jewelry stand that's all closed up, consider something that just is, you know, shelves with little, um, you know, old vases and stuff. Keep it open. Yeah, make it pretty. Yeah, for sure. Make it pretty. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. On your new website, CourtneyAndDave.com, I know you talk about some things like this. You talked about your pantry. You talked about your closet staples. And I have to tell you, I loved your tip about the H&M white t-shirts. I went to H&M and invested in some. They're a couple dollars more in Canada than they are in the States. But you're right. Just to have a nice piece that's good quality. But if you do stain it or something, then it's not a big deal. So I like that tip. What are the, are the other sorts of things that people can find on your new site? Well, you know, <laughs> we really just wanted a place for people to go that was away from the, the typical social media, Instagram, Facebook. They're awesome. I'm on there every day, but we wanted a place for us to blog, potentially run contests. Um, and for people, you know, obviously just what you said to shop what I'm wearing, get, get inspiration for design. The site is really a work in progress right now, but the idea is that we can build an audience there and be a little bit more interactive, which is what I'm likely going to be pushing over the next 
few weeks. Like I want to be able to go over there and instead of responding with like an emoji, I want to actually have conversations. Um, you know, we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but I do find myself lately going to websites more, you know, for more information. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's, I just need to change and I want to dig deeper into what my favorite people are doing, um, beyond mm-hmm. a thumbnail, but I want to get to know some of these people. They have supported us for several years and they post and they, you know, tell us that they, or tell me that they love my outfit or that they admire something about my family. And I, I, I want to be able to get to know them better through these, through these upcoming blogs and things like that. For sure. Okay. That's awesome. And I want to make sure that that this podcast is helpful for listeners. There are takeaways and tips. So I want to kind of pick my guests' brains. And I know with all your experience as a realtor, you would have lots of advice. So what tips would you give for people in the market to buy a home now or the people in the market to sell their home? Okay. Well, so I am a realtor and it's really easy for me as a, for, you know, your listeners to say, well, she's a realtor. Of course she's going to recommend real estate agents. I'm recommending really good real estate agents because there, there there is a difference. Somebody who's really going to dig, dig deeper into the marketplace, really understand the marketplace and be able to help you get things in place. That doesn't mean your realtor is going to go and declutter your closets for you. But being able to recognize that by doing something like that or that by decluttering your mantle or, you know, putting a fresh, uh, an accent while in your dining room or hanging, investing in, you know, three or $400 in art for your home, simple art that may help them get a better price for your house. I think realtors are really scared sometimes to to do that. And then there are people like me (laughs) who are not scared at all to say, Hey, (laughs) hey, do this because my job is to get you the most money for you. So find somebody who you trust is going to do that for better or worse. That means that you may have to pick somebody who's going to push you a little bit more, um, to do that. Mm -hmm. Not, I, I didn't say boss you around. I just said, push you and encourage you to, 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 you know, to get your, your, your button gear. (laughs) But, um, I think for, for buyers, you really have to determine, make a list and determine what are the things that you absolutely cannot live without. You just can't there. It's, you know, especially if you're buying it with a partner or a spouse, what are the the non-negotiable terms for both people? And you put that in a list. And then let's talk about the things that we can give on because 20% of what you want is probably not going to be in the house. Right. In any house. So, and then what are the things that you want, but you could get for yourself? So for example, you need two vanities. Well, are you going to really not, you know, eliminate all houses without two vanities in the master? So to me, expectations are met when they're understood. So if you can lay all of that out with your realtor um, before you go out looking, that is just key. Great advice. Okay. Thank you. Now, flipping houses. I'm sure a lot of people watch your show, Masters of Flip, and think, oh, that looks good. I want to try that. It seems like they made some good money there. What is your advice for people who are considering becoming house flippers like you and Dave? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I (laughs) No, I think, um, you know, I I think having realistic expectations, if you're going to flip your first house, um, is totally key. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people say to me, oh my gosh, my husband is so handy. Um, we're going to flip a house. I don't know if that's the road that is going to 
you know, lead you to success necessarily. It doesn't mean that you can't do some of the work yourselves, but, um, knowing when time is money and, you know, having one person in the house versus 20 people in the house is actually going to result in getting your the house on the market faster. Um, the other thing is always budget. I would say a good 20% for things to go wrong. And I, I hesitate yes. to even say 20 because sometimes we've gone, we've, my husband has managed to go over that. So, um, you know, yeah. and it continues to be a process. And then also ask yourself if, if the market changes, you know, this is our first house, whether you've borrowed the equity from a partner or a business or your own home, ask yourself like if, you know, if you know what hits the fan, are we still okay? Because you don't want to lose yeah. your shirt. I mean, we, we took some major risks and sometimes those things can really pay off. But if the market takes a turn, understand that this is a huge risk. It's kind of like playing the stock market. Right. That's yeah. great advice too. Now, is it true that you are currently working on episodes for season four of Masters of Flip? That may be true. <laughs> that is exciting. Yes, we are. Yes. We're pretty excited about it. Um, we're actually going to do a little bit of a shorter season to allow us um, a little bit more family time this year and then also some creative time to work on another show, which will be really fun mm. down the road. Okay. So that's a little bit of a hint. But um, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it and buying and renovating and demoing. I demoed a house this morning. <laughs> so, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. So now it's just coming up with fresh ideas that um, I think people will love and, and, and maybe playing on some new trends and stuff. Great. So what tips do you have for people who would like to work with their spouse or maybe they do and not necessarily flipping houses, but there are all sorts of couples who work together in business and you and Dave seem to be able to make it work. What advice do you have? Well, it's a challenge some days and others are, it's a total delight. Dave and I are opposite. So when it comes to things, you know, that are about an organization and he can't pull it together, it drives me a bit, a bit of a wedge between us. And likewise, the other way, because he's really, you know, I can sort of suck the life out of a project if it's not going right. And he's like, Hey, chill out. We can do this. So, um, you know, I think recognizing your strengths and being able to back off and let the other person do their job, um, is a big one. You don't both have to do everything together. And I know it seems like that because when money is ever, you know, when it's, when it involves money and most businesses, all businesses do, um, you know, everybody is pretty hands-on, all hands on deck for that process. But, um, I do think that, you know, if one person is really good at something, focus on that and agree before you start this partnership that that person's going to have full reign on that. So when there is a, a little bit of tension, you've, this person, a person A has got this and person B has got the rest of it. Yeah. And a sense of humor seems to help as well. Oh my gosh. We can see that. You can see that on screen with the two of you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now you are the parents of three beautiful children. How old are they now and what are they up to these days? Well, Jet is, is, uh, um, he's 14. So he just started high school. Wow. He looks and acts just like me, <laughs> poor kid. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, he's really, he's our sports enthusiast. So he's, um, he's gosh, he's been into hockey. Now all my kids are, were born in, in the South. Um, but Jet is totally into hockey and always has been, which is crazy. We always say he has 
Canadian blood in him. That's for sure. Um, so he's, and you, if he has a ball, even at 14 in high school, if you put a ball in front of him, he's happy. He's just playing high school hockey and travel hockey. And we're going all the time. Sally is completely the opposite. Um, in most ways, he's a little bit more of Dave. He's a little bit artistic and he loves gaming and, um, he does love soccer. Uh, but he's, he's a little bit more chilled out, definitely our most sensitive of the three kids and most empathetic. And he's just like, he wants everybody to be happy all the time. <laughs> he's just <laughs> such a good kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But definitely has a sad sense of humor for sure. Okay. And then Lennox is our total wild card. We just never know what the heck's going to come out of her mouth. And she is nine. <laughs> She's nine years old. And, um, you know, they always say like, once a baby, always a baby. And she's totally my baby. Yes. Um, totally my baby. But, um, but yeah, she's into, she's definitely also into like music and arts. She's actually the only one of the three that's actually into music and theater and stuff. Really? Um, yeah. And Dave and I, that was our entire background. Lennox, our daughter is actually adopted. So we think it's really funny that she's the only one. That's, that's like the two of you in that way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that actually brings me to my next question because I wanted to ask about adoption. And I did run this question by you first. I want to make sure my listeners know I'm not just throwing this at you, but it's an adequate question. So you are an adoption ambassador, which I think is great and obviously means that you're willing to talk openly about it. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are curious about adoptions and adoptive families. And in your family, for example, four of you are white, Lennox is black. And so even visually, I'm sure some people see it. Some people I'm sure are nosy. It's none of their business. They shouldn't ask. And I'm just wondering, are there right or wrong ways to approach it if you're curious or maybe you're with your child and they're curious, or is it the sort of thing where people should mind their own business? I'm just kind of wondering what your experiences have been and what you would suggest for people with questions about it. Well, and this is a tough question for me to answer because I don't fall in the norm. So I, I, yes, Lennox is black. When we go out, many people um, want to impose their opinions or their love on us um, in some way. And sometimes it doesn't get handled the right way. So I'll give you an example. Many people, and I would say this happens to us on a weekly basis, <laughs> will come up to us and say, oh my gosh, and Lennox is nine now, but they've been doing this her entire life. They'll say, oh my gosh, she's, you're, she's so lucky to have you. And it's, it's something that I, it's a really hard question for me. I always, of course, respond immediately saying my true thought, which is, um, we're actually the lucky ones. So, because you have to remember Kids that are adopted, they didn't ask for this. They were a lot of them were infants. Um, they didn't choose adoption for themselves. Somebody chose adoption for them. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that you don't want to make somebody feel like they should be lucky to be in this family. Right. Now Lenny has never said anything to us, um, but I will say that it's 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 been an issue, particularly now um, in the South. Um, there have been there's been a bit a, a little bit of tension. Um, and, uh, and we've had, you know, some issues (laughs) with this, but for the most part, I, what I try to remember is that people are trying to impose love. They're trying to show their acceptance and their love of your family. And so they'll say, oh my gosh, it's so great that you adopted. I am never offended when somebody assumes that we adopted Lennox. My response is usually what? 
how did you know she was adopted? Don't you think she looks like me? And Lennox gets a really big kick out of that because one time somebody responded, this little girl, we were at the YMCA pool and she said, is that your, is that your daughter? And I said, yeah, what? Well, you don't think she looks like me? And the little girl paused and she said, she's got your chin. And Lenny Uh and I just laughed. And I thought, and so every time somebody says that, Lenny will say, I have her chin. So I don't, I don't think, you know, for me, I'm not offended at all, but remember, why are you saying it to somebody? Are you saying it for your own benefit, for their benefit? Um, I think it would be a better, a better thought to, to consider saying like, oh my gosh, you guys have a beautiful family. To me, that would be mm-hmm. a lovely compliment. And I could read between the lines of like, hey, what a, you know, what a pretty picture this is, um, yes. you know, adoption and all. But, um, but yeah, you just never, you just never know. And sometimes kids, you know, I, it, the, the hard part about assuming is that sometimes kids are in foster care and they're with their foster parents, or sometimes they are from a previous relationship where they may in fact, um, be a biracial family, you know? So, but yeah, for me, it doesn't, I am never offended by stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I will, I will share a quick, 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 quick story that recently we went through immigration. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a story I have not shared publicly yet, but we went through immigration and we were clearing customs in Nashville coming from Mexico. So it was a direct flight. We have a very, very, very small customs place here. And the officer proceeded to ask our daughter for her papers. Okay. Uh-huh. And that did not go over very well with me. Um, I know the law. I know adoption law. Lennox has a passport just like we do mm-hmm. um, with her with our last name on it. Um, but here's what's... And and that was a process. So we 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 eventually asked for his um, supervisor, and he let us go. He didn't want us talking to his supervisor. But here's the really bad part. A few months later, we were also traveling back um, through customs, and we we got the same officer. He recognized us and did the same thing. Oh no! And that yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff that like. For people to, uh, you know, abuse power or, um, and we, we definitely went to a supervisor this time (laughs) and he made sure that this gentleman was informed that adoption, you know, she is as much our child as our other two children and that to make her feel like she's not is completely unacceptable. So that was taking it to a whole new level. So we have experienced everything from love to just complete ignorance. Right. Wow. That's quite a story. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being so open and honest about all of that. And I just have one last little question to ask you, which is, is there anything that you would recommend to our listeners right now? Something new, like maybe a a beauty product, a food, a book, just something that you've experienced lately that you would recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, I am in love when I say in love with this product. I use it every day and have for several months now, but It Cosmetics has the best CC cream. It has SPF 50, but I, you will never see me <laughs> any day of the week without that on. Now, on the weekdays, I'll probably put that on as a base and then, you know, touch up, especially if I'm on camera. But on the weekends, I can get away it's full coverage. So I can get away with wearing just that. Um, and I can't, I feel like it's about $30, maybe a little bit more in Canadian, but it lasts a long time, like literally one pump for the whole day. You're good to go. But that is by far my favorite product on the market right now. It's the CC cream, 
um, by it cosmetics. And there actually may okay. even be a link on courtneyanddave.com. I'm not sure if there's not, I'll try to get one up. Okay, great. And I will have a link to your site and I'll have a link to a lot of the different things we talked about on the page for this podcast on this mumloves.ca slash podcast episode one. Thank you so much, Courtney, for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck with the podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that concludes the very first episode of This Mom Loves, the podcast. I would like to thank you very much for tuning in and encourage you to please subscribe on iTunes if you don't want to miss any future episodes or wherever it is that you subscribe to podcasts. You can look forward to a lot of great content to come, including an interview with Cynthia Loist of The Social in episode two. You can find all the information from this episode on the, at the show notes, thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And this is episode one. So I'll have links to the sites that were talked about, the books that I mentioned, and also more in- information on Courtney, the photos of my closet, all of those things as promised. And I would like to leave you with some last words from Mark Twain. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but the great make you feel that you too can become great. Have a great week. Until next time.